This is Steeler Country, episode 157 for week 2, 2015, when the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the San Francisco 49ers 43-18, recorded September 22nd, 2015. He, he, it's like it's almost like he he's unstoppable. Like you just can't stop him. Forget about it. He's one of those guys where it's like, him. you know, maybe you could slow him down a little bit, but you're not stopping him. And then, ninety nine percent of the time, if, if the ball is near him, he's catching it. Yeah, it's weird. Well, that's the craziest thing about watching it live is like he's not even on some of these passes, Mike. He's not even open when Ben throws the ball. Ben throws the ball and AB is not open, and then just gets open. Like if the ball's in the he air, gets open. open. Yeah. Yeah. And him and Ben know like know where you know where Ben's he he knows where Ben's gonna throw the ball and uh, Ben knows where AB's gonna be. Yeah, that that shit is freaking spooky. Like we could see it last year, and it's like even even worse this year or better. Yeah. The spin move that he did to juke out all three defenders, <laughs> the cro- yeah. turn the field, then turn back around and go the other way. He's amazing. I used to think that you know his best attribute was just that. He was so small and quick and could separate easily mm-hmm. and be wide open, and that's why Ben could just find him. But more often you see him catching these passes in these tight conditions, or even, I mean, last year and the year before, on the sidelines, in the end zone, mm-hmm. toe-touching, just crazy catches. He's, yeah, he, I mean, he really is like an all-around. That's what makes him the best. That he, he can, he's a deep threat. He can catch it in traffic. Uh, and you know, run-after-catch. He's a run-after-catch guy, yep. His his best attribute is the first attribute I ever noticed about him, which is why we fought about him when he was a rookie, and that is he rises to big occasions. Money, he yeah. does. He he's clutch, and he, and he's always been that. And that's a thing. That's a thing you can't learn. I don't think it's a thing you can become. I think you either are or you're not. Yeah, he is, and he always has been. Yeah, and he's just gotten better and better since then, and he's just. And he, you know, like I'm, I, I started thinking to myself, this guy is like, I, I thought of a nickname for him after the game because during the game I kept thinking, every time it's third down and like 15, we just go to him. Yeah, it's and not, he's just yeah. there. And um, so I started calling, I started, I nicknamed him in my head after the game, third down Antonio Brown. Yeah. Ah, there you go. Um, because he, he's just. And that's part of his clutch personality. It's like, okay, we don't have any more chances. We have to do it now. So Ben goes to him, and he's, you know, most of the time, you're going to convert on him, with him. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's just, you can't even believe it. And we're so, I'm so happy that we noticed him when he was a rookie. We didn't miss one play of his career. We noticed him yeah, all that's true. along. So, well, how did we, yeah, but how did he come on the scene? Do you remember? Um, In the Steelers scene? I remember... I don't remember the. It wasn't the playoff games. The most famous thing he did was catch the ball against the side of his head. Yeah, right, uh, right. Against but, the Ravens, but he did stuff before then. Right, he won it was, playoff games for. You us. know what it was? It was. I think it was like in week one or week two. Tony can correct me, but it was a um, opening kickoff. A was it a fake reverse to him, and he yeah. and he kept it, or was it a reverse to him? It was against the but Titans. He, it was against the Titans, and he went the distance on the opening kickoff. Yep. Oh. I think it was a fake hand, a fake reverse, and he kept it. And he, he kept just went, it, and he just, he's just and gone. Like, and that's what I thought, hey, the Steelers always draft this late 
small, really fast wide receiver, kind of like Antoine Randallel. Mm-hmm. They had a couple other guys like that. I thought, yeah, okay, he's just going to be just a you know, small, fast guy, return guy, catch pass here and there. Yeah. But he proved me wrong. He was the same draft as Emmanuel Sanders, right? Yeah. I think Maybe. he was because Sanders was supposed to be the big guy. And oh, yeah. Guys were all over Sanders because he was the high draft pick, and I didn't pay attention to the draft. So I'm like, I like Brown better than Sanders. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, both turned out to be pretty good, but. Yeah. Yeah, Sanders. Sanders was third round, and I think Brown, Brown, was, sixth. Brown was sixth. Yeah. I'm looking it up. We picked Worlds. We picked Sanders. Yep. But the other thing is, I think Ben is more impressive now than he's ever been in his career. Oh, he's on, I mean, he's on target. He, uh, he, he knows the offense. Apparently, the, this Todd Haley offense agrees with him because he's able he's able to run through the receivers. Like, he kept finding open people. Like, he, earlier in his career, he used to miss open people because he couldn't go through the reads fast enough, I guess. Yeah, well, the offensive line gives him so much time. Now, we got to talk well, about that today. Through the offensive line. That, that's what I was going to say. That makes a big difference. Yeah. I mean, if you watch the games back when he was with Arians, you know, it could have been the play calling too, but or the play designs, but yeah. that offensive line. But okay. the, I mean, it was like that. What was it? Maybe it's a two point conversion or the or the touchdown to Heath. It just looked like I mean, it was like the easiest play in the world. That was a two point conversion to Heath. It was yeah. It was almost like you could run that play every play because yeah. he, it was no yeah, one even around the, him. The two point conversion to Heath was just the. It was like the same thing on the other side of the field. Um, the you know the other the other side of the line of scrimmage um, as the touchdown to Heath. Yeah, Heath was defending six though. The touchdown to Heath, like a, a defender got in the way almost. It was a he was like a arm length away from pick six, but he snuck it in there. Whereas the one that, the one that the two point conversion was just no one was even around. It, it was like it was like between Ben and Heath, there were probably three Steeler linemen, yeah. and there was no one else no around. There. <laughs> it was weird. I love that we're going for two so much too. I think it's you know with this offense and the way you know uh, the way the NFL works now with the extra point thing, like yeah, put teams in weird spots like that. Like I mean, know, make it sixteen nothing. You got to give credit to Tomlin, man. Just you know doing that arrogant eight to nothing thing. But I guess if you're on a roll, right? If you drive the field, you feel like you can't be stopped. What's one more play? Right. Well, and then you put the Niners in that situation where it's like when we come down the field. Uh, when we come, you know, when they come down the field, okay, now they're driving, right? And it's about to be, you know, it could be eight seven or whatever. But right. that that thought is in the coaching staff's mind of like, if we score here, yeah. what exactly do we do? Oh right, and maybe they're thinking like, oh wait, we don't want to run that play yet because we got to save that for our two point play. Conversion, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's true. And then it's ironically funny that then we missed the extra point kick, right? Yeah, he he hit the upright. I know <laughs> Scobie's weird. It'll be weird. I, hopefully it doesn't matter. Hopefully we're not kicking a lot of field goals this year. It seems like with this offense, man. I don't yeah. know. That's the real question about the offense, right? Is it like, by the way, we should have just started the podcast, and I'll just throw an intro at the beginning. Uh, I think so. Um, Are you that, recording all this? Yeah, I'm recording all this. That's good. That's the uh, you know that's the thing about the the offense though is it's like it can't get better than this, right? This was even if you add Allen, no, 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 you add wrong, Bryant. Wrong. I rewatched the game. It can get better than this. I don't how we scored six touchdowns. We scored at will. Oh, I get that. I get that. It was um. Uh, there were four consecutive drives that ended in touchdowns. Um, that started that were in the first half somewhere. It was like late from the end of the end of the first quarter. Yeah. To the end of the first half. 
Um, there were four consecutive drives that ended in touchdowns, two of them with two-point conversions. I mean, that's right. phenomenal. But um, if you rewatch the game, which I did today, mm-hmm. um, it, the offense starts out a little slow. It's a little they do. Slow, like sputtering. They're a little out of sync, false starts, you know, kind of goofy stuff happening. Um, uh, the guys miss blocks. Um, you know, bend through the ball into the ground. Right, you know. but the only way you get better is you just never punt. You just never have bad plays. Every single play is a positive play. Every single drive is a touchdown. I think more plays can. I think they could start faster than they did. Sure. Um, you know, one of the marks of, of teams that go to the Super Bowl, or at least it used to be, I don't know if it still is, um, are, but Super Bowl-bound teams that you can tell from the beginning of the year, um, offensively, they generally, the first time they get the ball, they, te- they put it in the end zone. Um, and, uh, and our team didn't do that. Our team did that on the, was either the second or the third, I think it was the third possession that we had. Mm, I think we scored uh, the second. In I this last game? Second Second one, possession. Yeah. Second, okay. Second you know, or fifth or something. Because freaking San Francisco had a 16-play drive or something. Uh, their first drive, I think, was only, well, it was like seven plays, but yeah. How come I can't find the drive chart? They don't have that anymore? What, on... ESPN.com. You don't need to. Okay, so when you go to ESPN now, you just click play by play, and then you can, and then you can just like if you hit the little arrow to make everything collapse, then you can just scroll down and see the drive charts or see the drives. Oh, uh, it's a little. It's it's probably worse, but it is a, it is a thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is... But like that's my thing, Joe. That's my thing about the about the offense, right? Is it's like, you know, we thought without Bell, right? Well, we're gonna have a problem at running back, and and D'Angelo, but D'Angelo has been great. And, uh, you know, really, Bell's going to make the running game better, but he's the offensive, offensively, what we did against New England can be corrected, right? We shouldn't have kicked so many field goals. We, we, we left a lot of points on the field against New England. But when you look at what we did against San Francisco, we corrected a lot of that stuff. We didn't, we didn't attempt a field goal in this game. Our red zone trips were perfect. We were, whatever we were, four for four in this game or whatever. Um, we abandoned the goal line. Like, we abandon the things that we don't do well, right? Which is, like, the goal line, you know, big body, like, let's just bunch our way into the end zone. And instead it was like, no, you know what? We have all this talent. Why, why would we hand the ball to Will Johnson when I have Heath Miller, I have Antonio Brown, I have D'Angelo Williams, right? I have all these options of guys to score. Why am I giving the ball to Will Johnson in that spot? Just well, spread him out. And I go. guess New England, that's a good point. They basically outsmarted themselves. Yeah. Well, uh, Williams. Last week, yeah. It's funny you say it like that because Williams scored three touchdowns on the ground, and that's the most by a Steelers yeah. running back since 2008. But I think all of those, I believe all of those were out of the shotgun and were out of, you know, spread formations. Yeah. No, that, you're right. They, they were. It, was, it just, it just um, tells the defense, hey, you know, we're not trying to fool you. You just don't know what the hell we're going to do. Right. Yeah. It's not like we're going to bunch up in the middle and then do a little, you know, we have one option to go outside and that's it. And if that doesn't work, if you take, if you figure that out, then, then we're, you know, we didn't fool you. Right. Cause like, that's no, what we, happened. We have five or six different options here and you got to cover all of them. And Ben's going to go through his reads. Our line is going to protect and he's going to find the one that you can't cover. Right. And that's it. Right. Cause that's, you know, that's what happened against New England, right? And we ran that play where it was the play action and you wanted to find Heath in the back of the end zone. It was covered. So he just threw it out of the back of the end zone. If you line it up shotgun, you know, that really can't happen, right? You're going to, you're going to, he's, like, Too many other options. Yeah, he's going to go through his reads. This was just, I mean, o- offensively, it was like an unbelievable display to see. And I kept thinking, you know, through the whole game, the thing in the back of my mind is like, well, this isn't even like, even us, this isn't even the real Steeler offense. Yet. There's no bell here, right? We always said, 
well, if you take Bell, if you take one of the big three out, one of the the three Bs out, uh, trifecta, then it would you know the whole thing kind of starts to collapse. Well, look, I have a lot of respect, and I'm grateful for D'Angelo Williams. I think he's done a terrific job, um, but he is. There is anyone who thinks there's not a drop off from Bell to Williams is is mistaken. There is a there is a drop off. It's noticeable. there definitely is, yeah. And so that is going to be an improvement, um, and there will be less of those third down situations that Brown had to come through in because, you know, look, in, in some, again, I don't know what's going on with San Francisco. I, I know they had a good defense under, under uh, Harbaugh. Yeah. Um, they don't have Harbaugh anymore. They I don't believe, have any of those defensive players anymore. They lost some key players. Yeah. A lot of them left. And I, and I believe that team is, you know, I, I think, I think they, they are, they were a little bit outmatched in the coaching part of the game besides the talent part of the game. Um, I just, I just think they were, yeah, uh, no, you're probably right. You know, a, a team that goes on a, you know, is down by three touchdowns and goes on a 17 play drive in the third quarter and chews up the entire clock. I mean, it was like, it was like Bill Cower was like burning the clock for us from the 49ers sideline bench over there. It was like, well, what was going on there? So it's I true. think, I think the Steelers benefited, you know, from, from a lot of different things, uh, being at home, having a lot of rest. Um, coming off a, a crappy loss, um, a, a West Coast team traveling east that played on Monday night on less rest than than a, a normal week, um, and, and an, a, a brand new coach and a team that is in somewhat of disarray. You know, a front office that's trying to insert itself onto the sideline and the coaching and all that. Mm-hmm. I think I think the Steelers benefited from a lot of that, and it just goes back to what Mike always says, and it's a, probably a quote from Chuck Knoll, I think. You're never as, as good as you think you are. You're never as bad as you think you are. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, so, that, and that's why, yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to get too high on this game because everything just clicked, and it's fun when that happens. It's great to watch. And, uh, I mean, you guys were there, so we've got to hear more about that. But um, it, you just um, – they had a game like this last season, too, against Indianapolis, right? right? Everything seemed to click offensively anyway. So hopefully we could just see it consistently. Well, yeah, you always say, like, week one is a mirage, right? Don't believe yeah. what you see in week one. This kind of, to me, it almost, like, I sit here and I look at this stat sheet and I look at the score and it's just, like, 43-18 to 18 without Bell, without Bryant. Like, it, it, it almost feel, it feels like a mirage. It feels too well, good to be true. You don't want to peak too early, right? I mean, if this offense, you know, can it, especially when Bell comes back and it gets a little better than what we just saw, and it sustains that for five or six weeks. I mean, can it sustain it for, right, for 18 12, weeks, 15, yeah. 18 yeah. weeks? Right. right. No, I agree. I agree. You know, the other thing about this game um, is, you know, we talk about, you know, you talked about the, the Colts game being this kind of game last year. But the, I think the thing for me di- that's different is like last year in that game, you know, we scored 50 in that game, but almost because we had to because the defense continued to give it up, right? Yeah. The thing that really feels like, you know, too good to be true in this game is how good the defense played. Especially early in you know, the first half of this game, when it when the game was still a game, um, everything that we said about the defense last week, you know, for the most part, went away. I mean, we got a real pass rush in this game. Uh, the front seven played terrific all week. We heard about how great Carlos Hyde is and how and how great their running game is going to be. And look what they did to Minnesota. And you know, the, the San Francisco's back. Um, all of that was put to rest. Carlos Hyde did basically nothing in this game. Kaepernick was running for his life for the entirety of the first half, um, and we we've all, we've asked this question for the last seems like you know five years now. Who is the next great Steeler linebacker? 
And I don't want to say that Ryan Shazier is, but he may, he is the closest we have yet. And if he continues on this trajectory, he is the next great Steeler linebacker. Yeah, he took a giant leap in that direction. Um, he was everywhere. Um, he used his quickness. Um, you know, he I, – I, I thought of a funny thing as I was watching the, re-watching the game uh, earlier today about him, and I, I, just, I just thought, wow, Ryan Shazier is back in his rookie season preseason form. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he, he was everywhere. Um, and uh, – and I think I think um, I think the question about hey what what was the strategy here with all this speed um, you know nothing's happening well it it showed up and it paid off against a quick quarterback who tried to get away a lot of times and against the older you know tougher but slower Steeler linebackers um, they couldn't have, they couldn't have cut him off they just couldn't have James Harrison and Dave and uh, was it David Wood uh, not David Wood Lamar Lamar Woodley. I'm flashing back to David Woodley, the quarterback in the eighties. <laughs> um, uh, they couldn't have cut. They couldn't have cut him off. Uh, Shazier caught him from behind. Moats cut him off. Um, I, I, I don't remember all the guys that, that cut him off. Drugs. Blake. Yep. Um, he he tried to run a lot of times, and a lot of times he got caught from behind. A lot of times he got you know for for gains, but not you know forty yard gains. Right. Um, not where you know the safety is chasing him. You know from the opposite side of the field. Um, and, uh, and so the, the speed definitely paid off. One of the things that, that is a big giant question mark in my, in my brain about this game is if the, if the defense, I I think the defense was, had the benefit of playing a not so good offense. I mean, I'll just put that on the table right away. Hey, but, um, that being said, it, it, it looked smothering and dominating at times, but then, and even and but it gave up three, uh, two seventeen play drives and another one that was I think over ten plays. Yep. Um, in the game, and, and I'm and I and I went, at least one or two of those it didn't give up any points at all, and one of them it gave up a field goal. But I I I, I just go you know if it was playing as good as it looks, how do you give up a seventeen play drive? How do you plus not- big plays? They give up big plays also. Well, they did. I'm getting to that. But the, first, I'm just saying, while they were making tackles and making plays on third and fourth down, some sometimes it was because you know the giant lead and you know San Francisco's just going for it on fourth down. So now you got to make four stops instead of three. So I get that. That kept the drive alive. Yeah. Uh, sometimes and some very interesting uh, reads of the re- in the replay booth also kept some things alive. Um, but. Uh, uh, I, I don't understand. I, I'm trying to get a, you know, you know, you see these guys and they they were they were blowing up the line. That um, was it, McClendon? Is yeah, that McClendon. Um, I mean, uh, and and to it. Yep. And um, Cam well, Hayward. Cam Hayward. Uh, these guys were blowing up the the uh, offensive the you know the San Francisco offensive line. What? I think that uh, I I just think that they're they're growing so the exciting part that we saw first, I think they played with the chip on their shoulders. I think they were embarrassed a little bit or a lot of bit last week against new England. I mean, especially with Brady 19 for 19, they basically couldn't stop him, stop him. They knew Gronk was the guy and he came out and did exactly what everyone thought he was going to do. So they had to be embarrassed, played with a chip on their shoulder. And, um, I believe that those sparks that you saw that it looked like they were dominant at times. I think they're growing into that. I don't think they could sustain that for a whole game, especially against, 
I mean, it was obvious they couldn't do it with a lead, right? It's easier to play with a big lead, and they had a big lead in the second quarter, and they couldn't do it against a, what I would call a mediocre offense, if that. And so it, we shouldn't be too surprised. But it's nice to see all those flashes of these young guys that we've been waiting to see have some big plays actually have some big plays. Right. Well, I mean, I think by the time we got to, you know, everything you guys said is true, right? We gave up big plays. We gave up long drives. But when this game mattered, when it got to halftime, right, the score, it was over. The game was over at halftime. It was 29 to 3. And everybody in the stadium knew this game is over. There's no chance the 49ers are coming back in this game. And I think everything we heard before the season and during the preseason is this defense is going to be this team's downfall. This this defense can't stop anybody. It's going to be rough. It's going to be tough at the beginning. They're going to have to gel into it. What I'm seeing here is... If this, if this defense, this is the, the you know, this is kind of the peak for this defense. I, I think um, this is what I want to see, which is I want to see pressure on the quarterback. I want to see a defense that is wreaking havoc, a, a defense that is that is getting big stops. Um, yes, they were on long drives, and yes, the Niners were able to to put together long drives. But those long drives ended in seventeen plays field goal, eighteen plays. Uh, and, you know, they went on over on downs. Uh, Two ended in downs, yeah, right? 15 yeah. plays ended on downs. Two goal line stands in which I believe they were eight. Both were eight plays from the goal line because they had either penalties that extended a drive or they got a close first down. Um, you know, they were, they were at the third. Maybe the drive started at the 13 and then they got the first down at the three. Um, but those are the kind of things I want to see on this from this defense is big, big stops, uh, getting pressure on the quarterback. We know we have problems in the secondary, and that's not going to get solved this season. Right, there is no one on this roster that is going to solve our secondary problems. That's going to have to wait till next season when we get Senquez Golson back and we start to figure out what we're going to do with the safety situation. Um, well, but, but the, the but the pressure on the quarterback, which was definitely there, um, and and the and the dominating, I mean, the the dominating, the push that the defensive line had against the San Francisco offensive line was was apparent and it was constant. And and uh, Kaepernick just didn't have any time to get ever get comfortable. Um, if you have that, that masks a lot of secondary problems. And the other thing is, our offense is so good that it masks a lot of the problems we have on defense. Right yeah. when you're already up twenty nine to three at halftime, it does, you know if this game's ten to three at halftime, it doesn't matter how good the defense played in the first half. They have to do that again in the second half. But the pressure was off the defense by the end of the first half because our offense had already thrown thirty on the board. Um, and, and the game, you know, the game was essentially over. This is, to me, this is, this is the peak. This is the Colts game from last year. This is it. This is what we have now seen the pinnacle of what this team can do. We have, we have seen the mountaintop and it is just about, can we continue to sustain that over the next 15 weeks? That to me is the real question now. So then the return of Bell and Bryant, if you think it's the peak, I don't. Uh, but if, uh, but if I, if I cede that point to you, then, then at least, the return of Bell and Bryant make it more likely that it's sustainable. Right, right. Yeah, off- offensively, uh, this is going to be close to as best as you can expect. But defensively, I mean, I'm sure you sure the outcome was better, but those two long drives, they could have been touchdowns. I mean, add 14 more points to the score, then the score is closer to the Colts score last year. Sure, but my but my point is this defense, which is you know so bad and it gives up all these points. Yeah, we got those stops. Right, it was it got right. those. It earned those stops. Yeah. You know, Here's the thing about the defensive line that uh, I heard from Tunch and Wolf is that, well, first of all, the three guys are they're good and they're getting better and better, right? Yeah. The three guys playing defensive line, and yeah. um, he said that the, last year they were playing two gap, which basically I don't understand it that much, but I think it means that you kind of 
you hold your position and you gotta you gotta defend the left and the right, right. hole to yeah. your side. You gotta take and, but, two. You're trying to you're trying two to gaps. You're trying, yeah, you're trying to have two gaps. Yeah. So he said now that they're they're playing a lot of where they shoot one of the gaps. Yep. They all slant to the left, slant to the right, and I assume that the linebackers compensate for whatever they're doing. And obviously they're going to get more pressure or better penetration that way. And it's happening. Yeah, and so maybe that maybe there is a, a oh, bit of difference I mean, there. I didn't that's know. That's Butler, right? That's yeah, Butler. Oh, yeah, that's Butler. Uh, that's how I think that's where Shazier was coming through the line all the time. He was constantly in their backfield. Um you know, and uh, because of that, I mean, every now and then you'd see you'd see Tuit and Hayward just beat their blocks one on one. And McCullers, uh, practically every play is pushing is pushing a, a no, you know his guy a yard yard and a half into the into the backfield. Well, and you know the guy we haven't talked about is is our rookie Bud Dupree, who you know quietly here or maybe not so quietly has two sacks in two games, which is uh, a Steeler rookie record. No Steeler rookie. Linebacker has started uh, with two sacks in two games. I'm just impressed on how much playing time he's getting, they and then that. and then he's and he's making plays. So this is that's great. Yeah, I mean, you know, when and the thing is, you can tell. I mean, the light bulb hasn't gone off for this kid yet. It like it has, you know, Shazier. It's very clear what happened between year one and year two, right? The light bulb went off. He understands it. He knows where he needs to be, and he can he can see a play before it begins. I mean, as soon as the play is snapped and he sees what the offensive line is doing, he is. He is instinctively reacting to where it is going, and he is shooting that gap as soon as it's there, and he's in the hole. And then, you know, he, uh, he did that against the Patriots, and in this game, I mean, he was spectacular. 15 tackles, 11 of them solo. He had a sack, three tackles for loss, um, and he had a, a, he is, a hit on Kaepernick. He's playing like a man who has something to prove. He's playing like a guy who said he was, you know, disappointed in his rookie year. Yeah. And he's and he's out there with a chip on his shoulder and something to prove. And Tunch and Wolf, once again, they said that he's definitely fast enough to beat these offensive linemen to the to the spot, like to to beat him at the angle that they're trying to gain on him. Mm-hmm. But and he had that last year too. But they said that he's gotten bigger or has better size, so that when he doesn't beat him to the spot, he can he still has the strength to get through them. And so they're saying it's making a difference. Yeah, one of the things. Yeah. It, it absolutely, yeah. It, his speed is, is making a difference all over the defense. When when you look at like we talked about Kaepernick trying to run around, when they put Shazier as a spy on Kaepernick, you know he always he didn't always take the right angle, the the correct angle. Kaepernick kind of got an angle on him, but he's so fast he got there anyway. He was able to pull the jersey and and hang on to Kaepernick so someone else could come in uh, and and make the tackle and finish finish the job. Um, you know, and then the other thing is we always give up cutback runs, right? That's the big thing as a Steeler defense is is making sure that you're. Your, your assignments are there, and you, you cut off cutback lanes. Um, you know, Shazier all over the field. I mean, you know, you start cutting back, and Shazier is already there. Um, and I thought, I think Jarvis Jones this year, while he hasn't been a great pass rusher, you know, he's he's been there, but he he's made a huge strides in uh, defending the run. And Carlos Hyde, who everybody all over, oh my god, all week in the media, it's just Steelers defense is so bad, and Hyde's so good. Take him in fantasy; he's gonna have a big game. He did nothing. He, did, he was forty-three yards. I was so worried about that. Because yeah. we did, we did uh, the previous podcast before the Niners played, right? Yeah. So we had yeah. no idea what kind of a game he had against the Vikings before we talked about right, right. the upcoming game. And then when he had that game and you you put the two and two together about how the Steelers played against the Patriots, it was like, man, right, this right. could get ugly. It could get ugly, yeah, of course. Can't stop the run. I mean, that's like, that's the worst. But I think, right. what, we, I think what we've figured out about this team through two weeks is that the problem is not the front seven. 
Problem is the secondary. Problem is going to continue to be the same. Look, we saw it. There was defensive breakdowns a couple times late in this game where they gave up a long pass to Vernon Davis, 40, 40-something yard pass to Vernon Davis, and then you know, the 80-yard, just ridiculous play uh, to Torrey Smith uh, gave up an easy touchdown in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, those are the two low lights of the defense. Um, so I think, sec- you know, in the secondary, it's going to continue to be a problem. But, uh, you know, like, like you said, Joe, like, the pass rush can mask that. The offense will mask that. Um, I'm really impressed with where the defense is today because, you know, and look, knock on wood because it's all got to stay healthy, right? If, if Shazier goes down next week and, and he's hurt, well, then this is all this is all for nothing. But this is still week two. We still expect this. I think we all expect this defense is going to get better. That it's still going to gel. It's still going to come together. Um, you know, the defense that we're seeing in week two should be better by week 10, by week 13, by week 15. So a lot to look forward to there. What you guys think about the uh, – did we talk about going for two? We did a little bit. And um, what you think just about, to recap you think? there, I, th- I think it's pretty cool. I mean, and, you know, to, when you start off and you have a, a very successful drive and it looks like they can't stop you, just keep the pedal down. Yeah. Go for two, make it eight to nothing. And like you said earlier, you put the pressure on the other team. Yeah, it's, well, it's interesting with the going for two thing is uh, starting in training camp, Tomlin loves to do this. He's, I think he started practice with it. Every every practice started with a, a best-of-seven drill where the offense and the defense squared off from the two-yard line uh, and basically first to seven wins the drill. Um, and practicing that over and over and over, the repetition of mm-hmm. a two-point conversion, you know, was very evident in this game. Those two two-point conversion plays were easy, too easy. They must have a lot of plays to choose from. Yeah. And I believe that I saw a stat during the game that Tomlin – is like 11 of 14 in two-point conversions, conversions going yeah. into this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard so that's that. That's just going to get better and better. Yeah, yeah. You would think. You would think. And I think, you know, Deadspin wrote an article about us going for two, um, talking about how smart it was. Because analytics guys, analytics guys love going for two. The math says go for two every time. Um, you know, Tomlin talked about the analytics thing today during his press conference and basically said, look, you know, I use analytics, I like analytics, but it's a feel thing out there. You have to have a feeling for what defense they're running and what play you're going to run, and how they're going to match up against that play, and you know how that how that drive went, so you know you, know, you can have an idea because it's only two yards, um, so you don't have a lot of room to work with. Um, but uh, Deadspin in that article wrote, you know, and I, one thing I didn't think about during the game that they brought up, which is how smart it was for us to stop going for two once the game got out of hand, right? Once it was sixteen to three, and then it was going to be you know twenty three to three before Scobie missed the extra point. But stop going for two because at that point you're just giving away your two point plays, right? It doesn't. You should just save those for oh, that's the, true. The next time, uh, you know, you don't need to give away those plays. And plus, you don't need to give back the points if you fail, right? You know, at that point, just take the seven. But yeah. Well, hopefully, you take the seven <laughs> unless unless Scobie misses, which he. Hey, did. the the defense on a two point conversion. I guess even on a one point conversion, the defense can score. Is that true? Yes. Now the in the defense NFL? can score. Yep. For one point. Uh, one, I think it's no, I think it's two points. Or is it on two? Two on either. If they return, if they block the kick for, for all the way back, or if they like intercept it, or yeah, I believe it is two either way. Two either way. And college is just one. If you return college, I think it's two either way as well. Oh, was it ever one? That's uh, just in my mind. Maybe. I think it used to be one. Um, maybe in college, I th- it might be one in college. So yeah. you think there's going to be a return on an extra point this season in the league? One. Oh, I think there definitely will be. Yeah, there'll be one, maybe two. Um, I, I mean, you know, you look at you look at the extra point statistics this year. It's like 
only 90% of extra points are being made. The, the moving it back to the 15 has had a real impact on uh, on extra points and, and their. That's surprising. Yeah, I mean that's you know that was the stat from last year. It's like it would it would would affect it. 90, 91% of 33-yard field goals are made. Here we are, and it is 90 to 91%. Initially, I didn't, I didn't like it because I, I don't like if two teams are pretty matched up and one team scores four touchdowns, the other team scores three, and they're driving at the end of the game, and they make the touchdown, and basically the, ties, the score should be tied, right? But then it comes down to the guy missing an extra point, and the team wins 28-27 because – because of a 30-yard extra point. It's just, I didn't like that. But what I do like about it is the dynamic that Tomlin's bringing and other teams are bringing that you just might go for two because there's a risk factor in missing the one. So right, right. you may as well risk two than one. Well, let, I mean, let's just talk about it right now. Let's say we're playing the Rams, and let's say the game is, you know, it, it's, uh, we could make, the, it's nine, let's say it's 20 to 13, right? I mean, I know I don't know how our offense only scores 13 points in three quarters, but whatever. Let's say it is, and we score on the last possession, right? Do you want do you want this Steeler offense to play for overtime, or do you want to just go for two right there and win the game? What do you want to see the Steelers do? Uh, no. I want to play for overtime. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like putting all, all my money on one play. As tempting as that is, I I rather I rather um, go for the win than than lose the game on a kick. Yeah. Um, yeah, you miss a kick, That's and then true. we go home. I'd rather have the guys, I'd rather have that offense take the ball to two-yard line and try to win the game right there. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, because, um, you know, it would be one thing if you had, if we had uh, Gary Anderson kicking again. Right, you know? or even Sweeshim. Just give me uh, Sweeshim back. But we don't. Now, uh, some people say that you know, if you're on the road, don't play for overtime. Play for the win when you can get it, because you in overtime you have to play against the fans too. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, I think that, so, and I also I always think if you are the team with less talent, you go for the win right oh, now. Definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely. But, yeah. The shorter you make the game, but we have more talent than the Rams, right? We right. should have more talent than the Rams. Yeah, we're going to destroy the Rams. <laughs> All right, hold on, we're going to get to the preview of that game. I do want to talk about one other guy. You know, the, the offense last year. Uh, Tomlin called our wide receiving core cool in the gang, right? It was uh, Antonio and then a bunch of everybody else, right? Yeah. This year, I don't know if you can call it cool in the gang anymore. I think we have a clear number two receiver on the team, and I think it's someone who knows Steeler, zero Steeler fans talking about this guy before the season. It was all about Wheaton, Bryant, Sammy Coates, Tyler Murphy, yada, yada, yada. But you know, Darius Hayward Bay has been a real, you know, he has made an impact. I don't want to call it, you know, equal to what Martavis Bryant did to this offense last year, but it is Martavis Bryant-esque in the way that he has been able to uh, to be a, an impact player on this offense. I think he played this second game like he had something to prove as well because I think he kind of had a disappointing game in the first game. The stepping out of bounds, stepping I think bounds, that... Yeah. I mean, as flukish as that is, and, and I don't like to blame a guy for that, but I think that I think he took the brunt of that. I think that there was nothing else to do but to blame him for that mistake, yeah, yeah. and it really cost him because they missed out on a touchdown. It, it changed and the I, whole game, yeah. And I feel like he went to the locker room and thought about it through the week, like, man, i got to prove to my teammates that I can play, that they can count on me. Mm-hmm. And he did. And I feel the same way about Antoine Blake. I think he, he was disappointed in his play in week one where he looked like he wasn't interested in tackling. 
And he made some big hits. He was game. interested in tackling against the 49ers. <laughs> yes, he, right? he came with something to prove. He had that one that uh, you talked about, the cutback, and um, it was like a three-yard loss at the beginning of the game mm-hmm. where he just came from nowhere. Oh, yeah, he came out of nowhere. That was a terrific tackle. a big play. Yeah. yeah. And he was hitting in the secondary, too. So He hit in the secondary, and he, 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 he made um, – I don't remember if it was uh, Vernon Davis or Torrey, but um, – he made one of them drop a, a pass that they had caught. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, and then and then I th- I think um, one of those two guys dropped a long pass along the um, along the sideline in the game. Was it Bolden? Yeah, and then and and I th- I think it was because he was getting hit all day. Yeah. I think he dropped that ball because. He heard one of those guys. I don't know if it was. It was it Miller. Was, it was Mitchell coming that time that was going to hit. Right, but yeah. he'd been. But Mitchell was hitting too, and so was Will Allen. Yeah, um, those guys were hitting like the yeah. old dealer backs, you know, kind of. And um, uh, and I think I think they heard the foot. I think he heard the footsteps because uh, I was like, I can't believe this guy just dropped that ball. I'm, I'm watching this guy, you know, for ten years. He doesn't drop balls like that. Right. And it was just for no reason. There was, nobody had him covered. They were just coming to hit him. Yeah, the, no, the, the thing about our defense is it does have some talent on it, right? This isn't like a defense that has no talent on it. Um, they have some talent. They're, you know, they're starting to play with a chip on their shoulder. I, mean, I think they, you know, they hear everything that we say, that you know, all, these, all the media guys say about how bad they are and how, you know, how they're going to cost this team you know, a chance at a Super Bowl because of how bad they are, and I think they're tired of it. And it really showed. I mean, they went out to, to hit somebody this week to play. Um, you know, not everything is corrected. I thought one of the cool things I heard uh, during the game was that you know, we had a lot of communications issues last week, right? All the communication, you know, all you heard was, oh, you know, they don't know what they were doing. They didn't know they were lining up. They couldn't cover Gronk, yada, yada. Well, Keith Butler, during practice this week, didn't call a play from the huddle at all. Called everything from the sideline and made the players communicate about what the play was and where they need to be. Um, and I thought that was pretty cool. And, and it seemed, you know, we didn't have too many, you know, missteps as far as assignments, it looked like, in this game. You know, bar, other, Torrey Smith won and, and the Vernon Davis, the two big plays there. But um, those were later in the game. When the game actually mattered, uh, the defense was definitely in position. Yeah, that was good. Uh, I mean, that, that was pretty smart of him. I didn't know that. And, and during week one, I think that I heard that there were like 20 different guys that played uh, defense, defense yeah. In, in, yeah, in, in week one. I don't know what the number is in week two, but it, I don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing. Tunch and Wolf were kind of saying, you know, they're kind of doing that to see who can play and who's ready to play and who's not ready. But I mean, when you talked about Bud Dupree, James Harrison was in there. He was, he was making plays. Yep. Even Arthur Motes was there. I mean, so they're getting a lot of these guys, like we said, athletes on the field and, um, and playing. Actually, I didn't see our two other um, middle linebackers. Spence, or inside was in, linebackers. Spence was in there a little bit. I didn't see Vince Williams. Um, I don't think Vince Williams played. Or I don't, well, he played. He definitely played because he had a tackle, but I don't know if he played on defense. I think he might have played on special teams. Special teams. Vince definitely played on defense. I saw him out there. Um, we rotated a lot of guys. I mean, Cam Thomas was out there. Like Joe said, uh, the backup nose tackle McCullers was out there a lot, especially in those goal line stands. Uh, we're, doing a, we're doing a really good job, I think, of, of rotating those outside linebackers and, and you know, all the linebackers. And I think we're, we're starting to find out that you know, we have a ton of talent all around at, at all linebackers. We were everyone was worried about outside linebacker this year. I think Jarvis Jones and Bud Dupree and Arthur Motes and James Harrison are proving to be just fine. The pass rush is there. It was there against Brady. Brady's just really good at getting the ball. 
out of his hands, and, and that's fine. You know, Brady, Brady is Brady. Um, but when you face a, a quarterback like Kaepernick, who isn't who isn't Brady, it, it shows a lot how much this this pass rush has has changed uh, year over year. We had five sacks in this game. Five. Did we have five sacks in any game last year? I can't remember. I can't remember a defense having this much pressure on a quarterback. It seems like it's no. I, I can't. When I heard that number, I was I was shocked. When yeah, I, went, I don't know what to think of that. Just because Kaepernick, if you have no sacks against Kaepernick, it's you write it off as well. You know, he's so fast, it's hard to catch him. But you have a lot of sacks against him. Maybe it's like he's holding the ball too long and he's trying to run when he should be throwing it away or throwing it. So it's hard for me to judge what that number really means. A lot really of times he just had nowhere to go. Him and the Niners. Nah, you know what it was? Yeah. A lot of times he had he just had nowhere to go. There were guys beating their blocks one-on-one. Yeah. Guys shooting gaps. There were a couple, like, yeah, like, meet you at the quarterback type place where it was just everybody just beat their guy. And it was, yeah. You know. Did you guys notice how fast Shazier was on top of that fumble? Yeah. I mean, he well, was. He picked he was, that play. Yeah. The, he, the play was designed for him to shoot a gap, okay? But, so he's on his way through the gap, notices the ball, and hits. It's like I'm watching Antonio Brown. He hits another gear and moves. I, I rewound the thing and watched it over again. The guy, he, he actually. he. He hit like turbo boost to the ball when he saw the ball on the ground. It, it was it was just too fast. And I think that's why they got to Kaepernick. Uh, I know they caught him when he was trying to run. A couple times they caught him behind the line um, as he was trying to scramble away. But a lot of times it, it, the pocket just collapsed on him, and a guy came in too fast for him to even react. Yeah, and they take good angles, man. These guys are really good at turning the edge. I think Bud Dupree. That's you know Bud Dupree has two. You know, here's the thing about Bud Dupree that I like. Here's a guy who's, who's clearly doesn't understand the whole defense, and he's not playing a ton of snaps, right? But they, they got this guy because he was a freak athlete with a, who was a good pass rusher at Kadur, showed signs of potentially being a good pass rusher with these, you know, he's, he's a fast, big, athletic, strong guy, right? And what has translated into the NFL from day one is that speed, that burst off line of scrimmage, that he gets right by that tackle, um, and he's using that, that speed and leverage to turn the corner and get to Kaepernick. Right, that sack he had was because he was—he just beat the lineman off the. He had a free free uh, rush because he beat the lineman and he took the right angle right to Kaepernick and took him down easy. Um, you know that's not something you teach, right? That is just freak athlete. So when this guy starts to learn, you know how to use his body and how to use that and how to use the leverage to not only just beat guys but also if he can bull rush or if he has any other, uh, you know, if he can learn any other skills. Um, you know, Bud Dupree can be a fantastic pass rusher for us going forward. Yeah, I think it's it's, it's exciting to see your first-round draft pick contribute so much in the first two games. Or maybe not so much, but at least a little bit. Yeah. That's neat. Hey, uh, this is a Steeler podcast, and uh, the Steelers scored 43 points, and all we keep talking about is the defense. And I take the blame for that because you brought up uh, the wide receivers, and I turned it back with Antoine Blake. Uh, but so just jumping back there, you'd call them cool in the gang. And you don't really see that this season, but, I mean, in this game, Hayward Bay did have four catches, but Marcus Wheaton only had two, and Heath only had two, and that was it, other than D'Angelo Williams. So, and Antonio had nine. Um, But, with that said, I mean, Hayward Bay had, what, a 41-yard long pass, and Wheaton had a 48, and Antonio Brown had a 59. I mean, Ben's got to be loving that. I mean, that's three passes over 40 yards in one game. Yeah, no, yeah. and I think I think that was part of the, I don't know if that was the game plan coming in, right? And I, and Joe, I think when you talked about that first drive being starting slow, it, it looked like that they that they wanted to kind of work the running game in, work the short passing game. You know, they were throwing to they threw to the fullback a couple times, um, 
And it just seemed like that's where they wanted to go. But once they realized that, okay, these guys, these guys are really crowding the line of scrimmage a lot. They had a lot of guys in the box. They usually only had one safety deep. They were playing A.B. one-on-one a lot, which is just, they didn't even give A.B. guy uh, safety help, which is just nuts. And I think Todd Haley saw that, and starting in that second drive, it was like, okay, well, let's just start going deep and see what happens, because it's probably going to work. And sure enough, it did. Um, I, I think I think that was part of uh, Haley recognizing the defense that was being played. And these guys, look, all, all of our wide receivers are, are good. Um, I'd like to see a little bit, little bit more out of Wheaton. It seems like Wheaton is turning into the deep threat only type of receiver, which I don't like. He kind of disappears for times, and then all of a sudden, Ben finds him deep. Well, I felt yeah. like Wheaton and uh, Wheaton and and Bay. I felt like they they kind of stepped up for this game in in Bryant's absence. Um, and I and as much as I think the offense is going to improve when when Bell returns. Um, I think it will, I think it will take a, a step up again with when Bryant returns, but not as, not as much as I originally thought, because these guys, these guys did the job. I mean, if you're open, if you're open for touchdowns and you're open for, for big gains, uh, you know, um, how, how much better can you do? Right. That's, that's the thing with the offense. Like, yeah, Bryant's going to come in there, but he would have just caught the Hayward Bay touchdown. Or, you know what I mean? He's. He would have taken catches away from AB or right. away from Wheaton. Right. Where the ball I, is still moving every I, single drive. The, with regards to Bell, I, I think there's a lot of those little dump offs and, and that stuff that, that did not materialize that do materialize with with Bell. He yeah. he makes guys miss, he does those spin moves, um and and uh he makes he made he makes something out of nothing. He attracts linebackers, he attracts attention, and he I think he even improves the I think he, because of that he makes the passing game uh, open up the, uh, that much more. Hey, I want to say something about Heath Miller because I'm so happy for this guy. He contributed. He had nice, nice contributions in the, in the even in the New England game, and then he scored a touchdown, a two point conversion um, in this game. Uh, and I don't remember if he had any other catches. I think he well, did. That was it. That was it. Those I, only two. I'm just I'm just happy that he's that he's a bigger part of the offense now. Than he than he has been. This guy's been great for his whole career, and and he's I, I feel like he's been underutilized for his whole career. Um, yeah, so he has happy. been. He, you know what? If there wasn't so much uh, so many other weapons, and he and he was more of a safety blanket for Ben, he would be a top tight end in in fantasy football type of thing. Yeah, but there's just so much spreading of the ball around. Well, that's the you know we we've always called this like the pick your poison offense, right? Especially when we have Bell and Bryant in there. Um, and, you know, Heath is, is another option, and now he would Bay uh, becoming that guy. I think the thing that makes the whole offense go, though, the reason why it is a true pick-your-poison type offense is because Ben drops back to pass, and there's a lot of time where he has literally all day to throw. And when you have this much talent on offense and you give a guy like Ben Roethlisberger that much time, um, it's you can't help but, but be as good as we are. Um, and I think a lot of – I think uh, – a large, a significant part of the credit of the, this offense and how good it has, has become is because of how good the offensive line, how, how good they've become uh, at pass blocking for him. You know, ben, ben is just able to sit back, go through his reads easily, look look for A.B., look for Hayward Bay, look for Wheaton, and then go back to see if Brown maybe can cut back or do something uh, to get open, and normally he does. Uh, and it's just it's too easy out there. I mean, this game, there were times in this game where I really felt like it's – it's just too easy for this offense to score. 
Yeah, and he and he's really comfortable in the pocket too. I mean, he's really trusting the pocket. Yep. And you can't say how good this line is over the last two years without pointing out that Mike Munchak is the offensive line coach. Yep. And and it all started seemed to have started to gel when he got there. Yeah. And one 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 other point on Le'Veon Bell, he hasn't played yet this season. I mean, and he's going to do great in fantasy leagues and everything. I think he is the Thurman Thomas, Marshall Falk of this era. I mean, he's he's just seems like he's going to be the best running back out there, and everybody knows it now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, you know, one thing about that Munchak thing you said, uh, Tomlin, uh, Tomlin actually was asked, like, you know, hey, you know, this offensive line is getting so good. You know, how much of the, how much of the credit do do you give to Munchak and the job that he's done? And he said, look, I don't want to take anything away from from what Mike Munchak's done. He's he's great, but I think it was a, you know, Tomlin says it's a confluence of events, right? It's it's not only that we got Munchak, but that this offensive line that they've been grooming over the years and the select it started with Pouncey way back when we selected him in two thousand and nine or whatever that was. And then they got uh Gilbert and then they got DeCastro and Ramon Foster came along the line. And now finally last year they added Beecham. Um and it's you know it's been this constant maturity process for that entire offensive line and growing together and, and kind of coming into their own as NFL players. And now here we are you know, we're past we're past kind of the roster building phase, and now it is just these guys, you know, fulfilling that potential along with Munchak being there to teach them. Um, that that's a good point on his part to point it out that hey, when you guys, all you fans and reporters were ripping us because we had all these first round draft picks and they weren't doing anything and our line was, you know, looking bad. Those were the growing pains. That right. was the time they were getting groomed, and now they've groomed. And so don't just think that it's just because of one coach that walked in here and did it. I mean, it was a whole process. Yep. Well, there was a lot of I, It was a long Injuries, process. too, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I mean. I still think Munchak is a huge factor, though. They, no, yeah. they played this, you know, they played both games without Pouncey. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's, 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 that's the forgotten guy we haven't talked about yet. But, but let me just bring us down to earth here a little bit. I mean, supposedly the, the Patriots defensive line is not very good. I don't know how good the Niners are. So when we come against, I mean, actually, I'll tell you what, it's going to be next week, right? Yep, the Rams have a great yeah. defensive line. Yep, yep. So we just not be prepared, but don't be, I don't know, maybe you should be prepared instead of surprised. But if the offense seems to have sputtered and you're like, why the hell are we going to sputter against the Rams? Well, it could just Especially all come down back. to, yeah, uh, yeah, and it could just come down to how much time did you have to throw? You know, how much, how, how were you opening holes for the running game? Well, that's where Le'Veon Bell is going to be a big difference maker because when there's not a lot of time and he and he you know peels off and Ben can dump him the ball as a safety valve and he burns him for ten yards. Now, yeah, that's big. And they can't just come like that anymore, and it takes the heat off of him. Not that Bell is Bell is a big, gigantic key to this offense. And granted, if you go from Bell to nobody, you can't even beat the Ravens at home in the playoffs. Okay, that's it's 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 horrible, but. If we had if we had D'Angelo in uh, at the end of last year, and we could have and we could have plugged him in there when Le'Veon got hurt, we win that game against against Baltimore, no question about it. But that being said, uh, Bell is a killer. Bell is a, Bell is just such a huge difference maker in every in so many different ways to the offense because he can do so many different things and. And when you get the ball in his hands, he's dangerous. He could go. It's like it's like getting a ball in Bell in uh, in uh, Brown. Brown's hands. Um, I, I mean, you got, the defenses have to fear these guys. You got to know where they are on the field all the time. And anytime you lose track of them, they're going to burn you. 
Um, I think I, I, it'll be an interesting thing. I'll, I'm interested to see how they're going to play. It's a it's a road game, is it not? They're going to it's two, um, it's in St. Louis. This is a they're going to play on turf. Then that's yeah. a dome. Yeah, it's a dome stadium. Yeah, I don't know how they do on tar- turf. I don't know how the Steelers do that well. I mean, it should, you know, it makes us faster, right? They always say the turf makes you makes you faster. Um, there used to be a team that could only play on turf back in the Three Rivers days. Not only, but they were they were better, better on turf. Yeah. Um, I think this is a barometer game for the Steelers, weirdly, because the Rams just lost to the to the Ra- uh, the Redskins. Kind of got uh, shown up in that game um, against a Redskins team that doesn't seem to be very good. But we'll see, you know, the jury's still out, I guess. Um, but no, I think this is a barometer game because you know the offensive line makes this whole offense go, and we are facing what is probably the best defensive line in the uh, in the NFL right now. Um, St. Louis has a monster. Defensive line led by Aaron Donald, uh, who's probably the best nose tackle or best defensive tackle in the game. Um, this is going to be tough. This is not going to be easy. I don't expect I don't expect to put up 43 on St. Louis. And if we do lay another 40 points out there or more against St. Louis, I mean, I'm going to come on this podcast next week and just be grinning ear to ear and talking about meeting the Patriots again in, in the uh, in the AFC Championship game because um, this would be a hell of a feat. I don't, I don't expect that, but I do expect that the offense is going to be able to move the ball. And I think, Joe, you hit the nail on the head, which is that, yes, it's going to be tough with this defensive line, but adding Le'Veon back in means that Ben's going to have a, a sure thing safety valve on every play. And whether it's Heath or it's Heath going out for the route and, and Bell stays in the block or Heath stays in the block and Bell goes out on the route, somebody's going to be there to make people miss in the open field um, and get those yards that, we, that, you know, that really haven't been there in this offense. People forget that at the end of last season, when that stretch run at the end, which was a great stretch and it got us a division title and it, it earned us a home playoff game, um, that was made by Le'Veon Bell and the production that he had on this offense. He accounted for something like, I don't remember the exact statistic, but it was like 55 to 60% of the offense went through Le'Veon Bell. Um, you know, he is a huge spark, not only in the running game, but in the passing game. We have D'Angelo Williams now, which means that we don't have to work uh, Le'Veon as much as we did. We can we can spell him like we used to do when Blunt was in there. Um, but Le'Veon, I think it's going to be, you know, when I asked today, Tomlin basically said, you know, they said, oh, well, you know, you're going to work Le'Veon in, or like, what do you, what do you think the percentage cares? He said, I'm going to play Le'Veon. I'm going to I'm going to play 26. I'm going to, I think that's, you know, it's obvious to every Steeler fan, right? You want, you want Le'Veon Bell out there from the first play um, and as many plays as he can go. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a, he's, Look, we're not going to score more than 40, but we're also going to be playing a much better defense. And he's going to, this is the kind of game where he comes in handy. D'Angelo couldn't handle, we couldn't handle St. Louis's defensive line as well as we will with Le'Veon. Um, I guess we're going to go into a, a, you know, the predictions for this game. Um, you know, defensively, like we talked about, pass rush is the key. You've got to get to the quarterback. You've got to make uh, Foles uncomfortable because otherwise if you let him sit there and have a bunch of time, this secondary, unfortunately, is too easy to pick apart. Um, they have a lot of playmakers in St. Louis, and not only that, but we get to be the team that welcomes Todd Gurley, the Georgia running back, one of the best running backs in the country over the past couple years in college. We get to welcome him to the NFL probably this week. Uh, he'll probably play. So get ready for that. Um, but I think defensively it's all about getting pressure. Uh, it's that front seven has to continue to play well. Uh, and then on the offensive side of the ball, just score. Just do what you do. Score. Score however you want. If, if, if it's got to be another 10 catches, 200 yards from AB, 
cool. If it's got to be a 150-yard game from Le'Veon, cool. If it's got to be, you know, the, another Darius Hayward Bay show where he's catching a bunch of passes, I'm okay with that too, right? The thing about this offense is it can happen a bunch of different ways. Um, I, I would predict that the Steelers win this game uh, something like 27 to 17. Wow, that was a prediction right there. That is, yeah. Uh, a little analysis and a prediction. Nice. Uh, you predict? What you? What was? Did you do a score prediction earlier on this podcast? Did you say we're going to win by forty? No, no, <laughs> I did not. No, I said I did say I think we. I expect the. I expect the Steelers to beat the Rams handily, though. Yeah, I did say that. Uh, look, the Rams lost to the Redskins. Everybody's in shock, um, and the and the Rams get credit for beating the. Seahawks in week one. Well, Seahawks are on two now. You know, Seahawks are, Seahawks are, you know, they're kind of like, they're kind of like who I always thought they were. Oh, here we go. Um, Seahawks hate. You know, uh, <laughs> well, look, their, their defense, their defense is, their defense is nothing to, nothing to be concerned with. Um, and their offense never was anything to be concerned. That was always my contention. The offense uh, you know, guys are going, what's the identity of the Seahawks offense? Oh, we don't know. Well, we never knew. We never knew. You know what it was? It was the other side of the – was the rest of the team that played with that defense, you know? Um, so uh, so the Rams get – you know, they get credit. They get credit, more credit than they should get for beating the Seahawks, which they've always played them well. They match up with them. Uh, and and uh, and then they, they promptly lose to the Redskins, who I do not think are going to be any kind of a powerhouse. Does anyone think the Redskins – I mean, other than the fact that they're in a division that has no apparent – team that's that that belongs in the playoffs anymore um what is special about the redskins you know not the, other, lot, they beat the rams now so uh, yeah but i don't know so no i expect the steelers to win i expect them to put up points um uh you know i think i think they'll get into the 30s against the rams um my biggest my biggest concern with the rams um is that the steelers look past the rams to the ravens the following week and following Thursday, reminiscent of last year, and hopefully the Steelers are over this Jekyll and Hyde crap, you know, where they 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 have a big win on the road and then come home to Pittsburgh and lose to the Bucks, or they go to they go to Cleveland and play a sorry ass Browns team and 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 can't muster a, a decent play on the road. Yeah, I don't get it. So that let's let's see that because that's what I'm worried about. I'm worried more about the Jekyll and Hyde Steelers showing itself again. Uh, from last season than I am about can the Steelers beat the Rams on the road. Uh, you know, the Steelers can beat the Rams on the road. I think their biggest problem is themselves. Um, no, I expect the Steelers to win. I expect them to win, to win handily. I, I don't think I don't have any, I don't have any fear of the Rams offense either. Uh, so I'm going to say Steelers are going to win it. Uh, I'll go the same, no, no, not the same. I'll go your score from last week. 31 Steelers. And uh, I was going to say 10, but I'll give it 17 Rams. Okay. Not bad. Mike? Well, I'm not as confident because right now you see not not only the Steelers who were Jekyll and Hyde in the past, but the league is really Jekyll and Hyde, which you haven't figured all of these teams out yet. And Redskins are supposed to be bad, and the Rams didn't know, and they beat the beat Seattle, so now you think the Rams are good and they're going to just go in and wax Washington. You just don't know what's going to happen. And just like the Steelers look great, everyone's going to pick the Steelers to beat the Rams this week, most likely. But it just, um, the Rams have this tendency to get 
get uh, extra extra plays or um, extra effort out of special teams and maybe turnovers, things like that. And I think it's because this is a Jeff Fisher coach team. It reminds me of someone, you know, the Titans in the past where they didn't have a lot of talent, but they just always kept games close, defensively stayed in there. And I see that a lot in the Rams. And so I think this game with the Steelers traveling west, haven't done that very well over the last few seasons. I think that, not that they're going to struggle, but I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk. And uh, I think the Rams are going to keep it close for most of the game. I got the Steelers close to Tony's score, 25-17. Oh, I like that. There'll be a two-point conversion. Yeah, I like the two-point conversion thing. Uh, I should have done that. Okay. Now I'm going to keep my score. Um, none of us are predicting okay. the, the, the strange loss. Although, you know, Joe, to your, to your point about the, you know, the, um, the, the, the strange losing after a big game, I think it was more of just losing against bad teams. We lost almost every bad team we played last year. We yeah, lost. you're right. I kind of backed off on that after I said it because I knew there was something wrong with it, but I couldn't put did my we, finger on it. Did we lose so the Raiders last, last year? We didn't play the Raiders last year. Right. It was, it was yeah. just – It was the Bucks know. and the Jets. Oh, and Cleveland. Bucks, Jets, Cleveland. I mean, I was just like, well, are you kidding me? Yeah. Really? Bucks, Jets, Cleveland. The whole country is that. Even if you're not a Steelers fan, if you're a Ravens fan, you'll get a Steelers Are you kidding? Bucks, Jets, Browns? Are you guys? 12, 13, no. 14. Bucks, Jets, Cleveland. If we win those three games, we're 14 and 2. Yes. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. That's, it's That's sick. It's stupid, yeah. No, last year was sick. stupid, yeah. Um, yeah. We were not a 14 and 2 team. No, but you know we could have been. I mean, the schedule. No, but you know, largely yeah. because a team that loses to the Bucks is not a fourteen to two team. <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was a weird year last year. Uh, I think. I think you know if we're pro- if you want to project if you want to talk about where the Steelers fit in the AFC right now, um, uh, I would I would challenge anyone out there to name me three better teams than the Steelers right now in the AFC. Uh, I believe Peter King already beat you to that one. Well, Peter King is a moron, and yeah, I texted this out to you guys today because I was. Oh, I was much more polite than that. I don't think I called him a moron at all. <laughs> I was uh, I was perusing the Monday morning quarterback just to see because he always does this fine fifteen thing. Uh, he rated the Steelers a very a very interestingly down at I believe it was fifteenth fifteenth best in the NFL. Uh, NFL. He has seventh in the AFC. Seventh in the AFC behind the Patriots, the Broncos, which are the only two I will concede you maybe. Although Denver is a stretch because. Peyton Manning is not Peyton Manning anymore. He's also got us behind the Chiefs. He's got us behind the Bengals, which is a joke because we swept them last year, and that makes no sense to me. Uh, he's got us behind the Jets, which is just, I mean, that's laughable. Well, that's only because the Jets beat the Colts, and the Colts seem to be a team in complete disarray. We will talk about them because I want to do around the NFL, and I want to start with the Colts. Um, and he's also got us behind the Chargers for whatever reason. And well, here's the thing. He's crazy. We're going to get to prove a lot of these games because because in our schedule, I can up, see the uh, I can see the Patriots. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say in our schedule coming up, we're going to be you know we play San Diego, we we play Kansas City, we play Cincinnati. In fact, we play them in like the next five weeks. So, uh, you know, we shall see, Peter King. We shall see. You guys are kind of rude to Peter, and I just want I just want our audience to know. You know that the, you guys, uh, the perception is how polite you guys are, and, and that I'm like somewhat less than polite. However, however, in the response to, to Tony's text earlier today, I, I wrote back. I'm just going to read it verbatim. 
Okay, and I think Peter Peter King is mistaken and needs to pay closer attention to gameplay and less to his fond memories and wishful thinking. Um, you know, I, and I, I really I really believe that. I think I think he is he is mistaken, and I think he's he's not paying attention to what's going on in these games and 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 you know what's happening between these teams when they get on the field. Uh, and and he's you know they project about the Bengals. Well, they. They want, and that this is their wishful thinking, they want the Bengals to be a story because they never are. So it's like a Cinderella thing. Whenever they show up because they never actually finish, the clock always hits midnight, way before midnight. It's about, it's about, it's just still early evening. It's like 6.35 p.m. and the clock strikes midnight for the Bengals and they're gone. Every, every time they think Cinderella's made it to the ball, she falls short, the poor Bengals. Um, and, and it's, and it, you know, kind of goes the same way for what the Jets. I mean, where does that come from? The Jets are, uh, I mean, really and truly, do they even have a quarterback? Right. They, I mean, they, their quarterback got uh, his, he's like got his jaw wired shut or something, doesn't he? Yes. Uh, there's their, their presumed starter, Geno Smith got punched out and, uh, and the chargers did the chargers just drop the game to somebody. Sorry. Who was it? Cincinnati, the Bengals, the Bengals. Um, and the Bengals, like you said, Tony, swept them twice last year. Um, and, and, and you know, I, I just I, I don't understand. Now, the Chiefs, I, I'll, I'll say, okay, the Chiefs look like they're playing pretty solid ball. I'm not really a believer in the Chiefs. I think I'd love to have the Chiefs in the AFC championship game, even if the Steelers had to go on the road. I think, man, Steelers are going to their ninth Super Bowl. That's, I'd put money on that. Um you know, Patriots, you can't argue with Patriots thing because the Patriots did a number on the Steelers in the opener. Um, but uh, I, I almost wouldn't mind finding them in the in the AFC championship game, even on the road, uh, given given these young players a season under their belt of, and, and, the, and the kind of, you know, the second half of this this schedule that they're going to have to go through to, to get there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I put I put Steelers top three, four um, in the AFC right now. I don't think it's. I don't. I don't think you can even argue past three or four. I don't even know if the, I don't think that there's more than four good quality teams in the AFC that are really going to compete when it comes down to it. I don't know that there's more than four. I think you can go New England, you can go Pittsburgh, you can go Denver, and then you could just throw Kansas City in there because why not? Uh, and that's it. Those are your teams that are going to compete. We know what Cincinnati is. We know they're not. They're not going to compete with anyone. The Jets are the mirage of all mirage teams. Um, and who else even is there? San Diego? Yeah, okay. San Diego. Sure, San Diego. Uh, that's a joke team. Uh, you know, I think the AFC is, is, is it's, once again, we, we are in a NFL where everyone that's good is in the NFC. The AFC has I don't like, think Kansas City is going to be that good. Yeah, I because, don't uh, they, they can't even throw the ball downfield. They don't no. even try to throw the ball downfield. I don't, I don't think he can sustain wins. Well, you're not going to beat the Steelers doing like that. that. You got to, to beat the Steelers, you've got to throw the ball downfield. That's where our weakness is. You and, want to and run the, and you want to attack our front seven? Good luck. And the Jets definitely benefited from 10 turnovers in two games, which they're creating them. Give them credit for that. But they did play Cleveland, and they played Indianapolis, where Andrew Luck, I mean, they put the pressure on him. He was playing desperate, though. I mean, he, he got to a point where he was just, Desperately. Well, shouldn't shouldn't we talk about the Colts? Yeah, because yes. I mean, this is this is uh, this is so obvious to me. It's so politically incorrect to say, but I'm going to say it because it's the truth. Uh, I think it is anyway. Um, I mean, that team was a Super Bowl caliber team 
while Bruce Arians was the stand-in coach. And Bruce Arians headed west, took over a floundering Cardinals team, uh, and, and they're an NFC powerhouse now. Um, I, I mean, I don't think it takes a lot of brains or a lot of imagination to figure out what happened here. I think well, – I actually would go the opposite direction, Joe. I don't know if it's the coaching. I actually think it's the general manager. I think Bruce Arians got lucky that he didn't have to stick around in, in Indy, got to go to Arizona. Um, because if you look at some of the roster moves that Indy's made, I mean, you just look, just look at their first-round picks. How many of their first-round picks have worked out besides Andrew Luck? Their big playmakers on that offense are T.Y. Hilton, who I believe was undrafted, uh, and Andrew Luck, right? And Andrew Luck was their number one overall pick, who, they, who you couldn't help but take Luck. Because they, he was the, the odds-on, like, he's the next Peyton Manning, right? But everyone else has not panned out. And their big playmakers on that offense are washed-up Frank Gore and washed-up Andre Johnson and then Dante Moncrief, who just came on this week and had a big game but in a loss. Uh, and he was undrafted as well. Um, who are they drafting? They're drafting guys like Philip Dorsett. Anyone ever heard of Philip Dorsett? Remember Philip Dorsett? No, no one remembers Philip Dorsett because he never plays. Uh, I can go through and I'll look. I'll, I'll I'll pull up their draft history. But you heard what Chuck Pagano said. They they asked him. He threw the GM under the bus. Yeah. Yeah. Asked about the offensive line. He said, "Oh, it's been like this for three years." He says, "Yeah, it was it was for three four years now." Because yeah, that was in relation to should they said should uh, um, you know should shouldn't should, is luck under too much pressure? Is it that he has to that there's too much? The offensive line is so bad that he he has trouble going through his reads in time and. He said, and the coach said, no, because she, he should have gotten used to it. It's been bad for three years, basically. Hmm. Should have gotten used to it by now. This is the way we coach it. Yeah. yeah their their first-round pick in 2013 was Bjorn Werner, a defensive end out of Florida State. Never heard of him. Uh, 2014, they traded their first-round pick, uh, so they didn't have one. That's pretty cool. And then this year, they took Philip Dorsett, who doesn't even play. Do you know who they traded their first-round pick for? Do you remember that trade? 2014. Oh, that's right. They traded it for Trent Richardson. Great trade. Where is he now? Uh, he is out of football. And remember, they had Darius Hayward Bay. They had Darius Hayward Bay. And they didn't do anything with him. And now we have Darius Hayward Bay. So let's shift. What do we think of the Bills? Uh, I like the Bills this year. I actually don't hate the Bills. I like the Bills. Were you surprised that they didn't hang in against the Patriots? Um, I mean, they kind of did right at the end. But no, not really. I wasn't either. A lot of people thought the Bills might take them in that game, but I was like, and the thing I heard about the Patriots, someone said it on one of the shows, basically Brady gets rid of the ball quick, so you're not going to get to him, right? Mm-hmm. And everything everything is inside the numbers. Like, He doesn't throw anything hardly outside. Mm-hmm. You know, The longest pass is a seam route to the tight end. He's throwing all these dump-offs to Edelman and guys who get yards after the catch. And it seems like, and then they said, if you line up to defend that, which shouldn't be too hard to defend, it seems like. If you don't really have to cover outside the numbers or really deep, wide receivers, but obviously he can throw deep and receivers can go deep if you give them that. Yep. But if you if you line up defensively to defend that, then they're just going to run on you. Then they'll run up, line up and shotgun and keep running five yards on you. So someone's got to come up with something to stop that, right? I think they will. I think it's just a matter of... And then we're, copycat it. We're still, in, we're still in pissed off Brady mode. I'm not that worried about New England. I think if you reverse the two games... Just, just go back to Steelers for a second. Reverse the first two games, okay? We went into last week thinking we're getting blown out, we're getting blown out, we're getting blown out. Every mentality was we're going to get blown out in this game. But let's reverse the schedule for a second. Let's say the Steelers' home opener is week one. 
and we roll the 49ers. Same way. 43-18, game over. Now what is everybody thinking about the Steelers going into the week? Now what are we thinking? Now what happens in that game with the confidence that we have going into that game? And we still didn't have Bell or Bryant. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, look, that, that's why I was so disinterested in that game. That's why I don't dwell on it. I don't care about it. I said this on the podcast. I didn't even want to watch that game. I, I, I reluctantly watched that game because I already knew the result. I, I was happy that, that the Steelers kept it competitive, that the defense did not get torn. I mean, they got, they got torn up, but, I mean, it really, it really never got out of hand. Never got out of hand, yeah. Great. Uh, they didn't score every time they got the ball. Um, and, uh, uh, so it was like a foregone conclusion. It's like, oh, you're going to take my, my brand new defensive coordinator and all these young guys on defense, and we're going to play a Thursday night game in New England against the Patriots after they won a Super Bowl. And Brady's been in the news for being the freaking cheating slob that he is. And he's all pissed off that he's been exposed. And, you know, he threw his cell phone out and all this crap. And 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 this and so the Steelers got to play that. Okay, yeah, thanks NFL. Um, so that that's like a throwaway game, okay. But the one thing that it did for the Steelers is that now they're pissed off. So they got so Brady can be pissed off Brady, but the fact is he did cheat, okay, and he got caught at it. And his boss cheats, and his owner cheats, and the whole organization cheats, and the whole world knows it now. And they can't ever. There's nothing they can do to change. That's a fact. Okay, so now the Steelers go in there and they get embarrassed and they're pissed off and they take it on San Francisco. But, but if these two teams meet in the playoffs in the postseason, now who has the revenge factor? Now who's pissed off? And now who who has the chip on their shoulder? And it's real, okay? Rather than this than this, I'm pissed off because you caught me cheating um, thing. Uh, I know. I, I I think the Steelers have the upper hand at this point. I think the Steelers have the talent advantage. They have the they have the uh, and and they're going to have the, the 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 anger or the revenge factor advantage, um, and you know we'll see how the records end up at the end of the season. Most likely, we're going on the road, uh, but I think I think that's a game the Steelers can finally win uh, in the postseason, uh, even with this team this year. It would be if it is if it does end up being a Steelers Patriots AFC Championship game. With no matter where it is, if it's in Pittsburgh, it's in New England. It's going to be an unbelievable game. It's going to be an unbelievable atmosphere. Um, you know, the, that, that game in week one was a lot closer than the score. I mean, it was 21-18, so it ended up being seven. But, uh, you know, there were points in that game where it seemed like the Steelers could come back. And that was without Bell. That was without Bryant. That was with pissed-off Brady. That was with their home opener celebrating their Super Bowl victory. Um, you know, like you said. I, I yeah. It's, it would, it's, I think that two teams that are pro- – that go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it's you know it's it's a winnable game for the Steelers. No matter like you said, Joe, no matter where it is, um, this is not out of reach for the team. This is not uh, an insurmountable obstacle that they have to do. Supposing that they stay healthy and they make it to the playoffs and in, in with with their main guys still intact, um, this you know it got to maintain maintain the trajectory from here on out. I, I just think that when two teams play in the regular season, especially this early in the regular season, that are good teams and they most like not most likely but are could meet up in the playoffs and could decide the championship AFC NFC it almost doesn't matter and it's like you're going to play that game but the real game is going to be in the playoffs if they right. meet just like Green Bay and Seattle this past weekend it's like okay Green Bay got them but 
right? The only thing they may that, end up in the playoffs. It again. does. It does matter in that now it means it's probably going to be played in New England if they meet again, and it's probably going to be in Green Bay. Home those field, right? Home field, yeah, yeah. Because the Steelers, you know, they have you have to actually, yeah. The problem is the Steelers' schedule is so difficult this year that they probably have an artificial ceiling of like you know, they already have a loss, so it's probably like twelve and four is as good as this team can go this year. I mean, thirteen and three if it just goes if this offense just maintains being outrageously good. Um, but you know, I don't know if just twelve and four. It's still hard to tell. What, twelve and four doesn't get you the one seed. It's hard to tell if the schedule is hard or not. You you can't. I don't think you can gauge the schedule yet. Sure, we all made uh, we we all made um, predictions or. Uh, uh, we were trying to guess what the schedule is going to be like, what teams are good and bad. You give everybody wins and losses before the season, mm-hmm. but you have to wait till after week four now, because a lot of these teams that like new Orleans that you thought are going to be pretty good. Sure. They're not going to be probably right. I mean, still the jury's still out on a lot of teams. Well, the jury's still out on a, on a team in our division who is uh, weirdly, or maybe not so weirdly, depending on how you feel about them. Oh, and two, that is the Baltimore Ravens. Who you know they lost their opener against Denver. Okay, respectable. You know, same as the Steelers, right? Respectable. Whatever. They're in the top team. It was an away game for them. Um, it's all fine. But uh, actually, was that an away game or did, was that game in Baltimore? No, it was away. Okay. So uh, yeah, now but then they play the Raiders in week two, and everyone knows. Okay, Flacco's gonna win that game. Fine, easy. Raiders are an easy game. No, they dropped that game. They dropped that game at the last second. They gave up thirty-seven points to Oakland. An Oakland team that got rolled by Cincinnati a week ago. And now they're 0-2. And now guess where they go this week? They got Cincinnati. Well, they don't go to Cincinnati. They play them at home. But they're going to play Cincinnati. And then they're going to play us. If Cincinnati were to win that game, this team is 0-3 coming into Pittsburgh two weeks from now on a Thursday night. That is a nail-in-the-coffin game. We could bury them. That is a nail-in-the-coffin game. The Steelers better win that game. They better win by a lot. It's actually not. don't give them life. No. Hopefully Cincinnati, I mean, you know, what probably is going to end up happening is Cincinnati is going to give them one. Because Cincinnati is Cincinnati, after all, and Andy Dalton will do Andy Dalton things this week. But, uh, well, yeah, I mean, we're thinking all 0-3, 0-3 Ravens come into Pittsburgh. They're going to be so desperate, you know, that they might be able to pull it off. But Steelers are going to be, you know, Steelers have their revenge. I mean, they lost to them in the playoffs, you know, and Bell couldn't play. Mm-hmm. So most likely Steelers After won. winning the division. Yep. And what should happen is Steelers blow them out when they come to Pittsburgh. Um, but this is a game with Bell without Bryant. With Bell without Bryant, right? But no, nah, the Steelers could blow them out. But um, uh, the the Ravens, the Ravens seem to have their way with Cincinnati. Um, I don't know that Cincinnati can can go to Baltimore, and, and I know they can, but I don't think they're going to. I, I they're most likely Baltimore rolls into town one and one and two, and uh, and then we. You know, we blow them out, but they're not. You know, I think, real. yeah, you know what? You know, interesting thing. I, I agree with you, Joe, but I, I think I think, I think, think Baltimore does win this game. But I'm looking back at their schedule from last year. They actually got swept by Cincinnati last year, weirdly. They were swept. Yeah. It just depends if Baltimore's taking a step back this season. Yeah. I mean, maybe oh, they are a taking giant a step leap back. back. It's a giant leap backwards. Yeah. They're, they're, um, I mean, they could end up in the well, south. If, if it's a giant leap, Cincinnati could beat them. Cincinnati could beat him, and then they should come to so Pittsburgh. You, I mean, look, this is this is if you want to peek look, into Joe's fantasies, my dark fantasies. Yeah, that's 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 my fantasy is they come and they roll into Pittsburgh zero and three and leave Pittsburgh with their season over at the end of week four, having lost to the Steelers. Uh, so, I mean, that's like a dream come true. I mean, you can't, you know. Yeah. The, uh, 
And then we get Brian and back. And they get 10 days to sit on. Yeah. And we get 11 days. We get 11 days. Because I don't know if you guys know. I've never looked at the schedule. But we go Thursday to Monday at next week. And that's when we go at San Diego. We get Bryant back for that game. A lot of talk about Bryant today because um, there was a report uh, earlier this week that Bryant was not at the Steelers facility, was not training with the Steelers, even though uh, he, is, he is available to work with the Steelers to attend meetings and all that, be in the Steelers facility working out uh, during his suspension. He was not doing that. Uh, Tomlin was asked today about that and said that is, that is, a, true, that is a true report. He is not working with us. We, you know, we have a lot of things to work on with him, but he is not here, and that's all he's going to say on it, which led to a lot of speculation of, oh, what's happening with Bryant? There's some, you know, is there a falling out between the team? Is he choosing not to work out there? Um, another report came out hours later that Bryant is um, receiving treatment, uh, rehab treatment in, uh, in Texas. So that's where he is. Um, so no, you know, no rift between the Steelers or anything, uh, just working out his issues which I think is good. He's doing what he's supposed to do. Doing what he's doing. supposed to do. Exactly. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So, good. that's good. So, you want to talk about the NFC teams a bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think the NFC is, is, a, um, is an interesting conference right now, being that Romo goes down. Um, I still think there's, you know, there's a lot of good teams over there. Um, I, I, know that, I know Joe doesn't like the Seahawks, and they're 0-2, but um, you know, they had to play two road games to start the year, which is weird. I don't like that the NFL is doing that this year, where they're doing a lot of two- two road games to start your season. Um, and they played a division opponent in one, and they played the Packers in the other. They started 0-2. I, I still like the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks will bounce back. This happened to them last year. They were, what, 2-2 two and two at one point last year, or 3-3 three and three or something. And everybody thought, oh, they're done. And then they, they rolled off a bunch of victories and ended up getting home field advantage and playing in the Super Bowl. And they were able to play away from winning the Super Bowl. I think they're going to be fine. I like it. You know, Arizona's playing really, really well. Um, a lot of that has to do with Carson Palmer. I don't know if Carson Palmer can last for an entire season playing as good as he is. But... They're 2-0 at this point, and they're averaging like 40 points a game. So uh, they look really good. I like Carolina, too, uh, and obviously in Green Bay. Seems like Atlanta's better than yeah, we expected. That's another, yeah, that's another team where, um, yeah, they're pretty good. I, I also like the Giants. I know Julio Jones too. makes a difference. He was out a lot last season. Yep, yep. yep. And they have, oh, they yeah. got rid of And, the, and the Giants, that's right. They got rid of him. He's, is he on any team now? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. And the and the Giants at zero and two is interesting. I mean, someone made the point that that division, you know, the most or the the least uh, disrupted team right now or disruptive disrupted is uh, the Redskins. Oh, really? You know, the Eagles are having their their is- the Eagles are having their issues. The Giants, you know, lost two games that they could have won, and oh, the Cowboys yeah, have injury yeah, yeah, issues. Yeah. So the Redskins are the only team that. The Redskins can, can, are kind of floating by right now without – well, I mean, they have the RG3 thing going on. So that's still, that still looms. Yeah. Here's my Redskins prediction. Okay? That was the irony of the statement, though. Redskins will be in the thick of it if they shorten the season to three games. Huh. I think the Redskins could be sneaky in that division. Because they win the strike season? Yeah, that's right. They did win in the strike season. They win the strike season Super Bowl. They won two strike season Super Bowls, I believe. I think you're 82 right. and 87. See? So there you go. So. I still oh, and I still like my boy Bridgewater. I mean that team's in, that team's weird because they lost to the Niners, but that's a East Coast, East Coast team going west on a Monday night. Uh, I still like Bridgewater, and they beat the Lions. Uh, Adrian, Peterson. I haven't seen him enough. Bridgewater, I got to see him more to. Yeah, he had a bad game. Yeah, against to the make Niners, it. But 
Hey, Blake Bortles beat the Dolphins this week. Well, that is true. My my Super Bowl prediction is crashing and burning right now as the Dolphins struggled to get by the Redskins and then lost to the Jaguars. And that's you know this was the part of their cupcake schedule that they had, which uh, doesn't look so cupcake anymore. Um, no, I don't, I don't understand that team. I don't. I think I had going on. I think the two teams I had losing the championship games were the Colts and the Eagles. Oh, the mind to own four right now. Yeah. Losing the tickets. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't want to comment on one of these teams. Well, the NFC seemed to be. It was a lot more fun when Romo was there and they were two and zero. Because then you really had like in every division you had teams or two teams in every division where I was like, okay, you know, I like the Cowboys and Giants. I like the Packers and Vikings. I like the Falcons and Saints. I like the Cardinals and Seahawks. You know, it's eight teams there. I mean, not all of them are really going to compete as the season goes along. Um, but those are eight teams that I like, and any of them can make the playoffs. Whereas I think in the AFC, it's a little more cut and dry. You know, and especially as as we go into this week, and we start to see some of the matchups, and you go, okay, you know, if if uh, if the Dolphins don't beat, you know, if the Dolphins play what the Bills this week, right? I mean, you know, that game kind of, I'm just not an eliminator game this early, but it kind of sets the tempo for where those two teams are going to be. The Ravens and the Bengals, same thing. Um, you know, the Colts, if, you know, can they get one this week? Um, those games are all they're going to kind of figure out whether or not those teams are going to be good or not. We have yeah, one. it's just, just when you think you figured it out, something else happens. Yeah. Hey, I uh, want to say something about um, about our uh, trifecta. Uh-huh. Ben, Bell, with Bell coming back, and Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. We need to just sit back and appreciate them three and just make sure that we enjoy them when they're here and they're – playing and putting up these numbers because first of all I think they are I think they're the best trifecta in the league and there's not many trifectas at all you know there's not a lot of them and they don't and and there's only like a few every season right a few different ones and another good trifecta last season was who Tony Romo DeMarcus Murray and uh, Des Bryant right hurt gone hurt uh, right so they you know if you're a cowboy fan none of those three are you're not watching them at all right now. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, that's you know the Steelers got to stay healthy. I mean that is that is a key to this team. Uh, you know, uh, we've proved on offense that we can get by with with not having a couple of our guys. Right, no Bell for the first couple weeks didn't hurt as bad as we thought it would. No Brian hasn't hurt as bad. Um, but I think you know if Brown were to go down, we're looking at problems. If Ben were to go down, of course it's going to be a big problem. If we continue to lose offensive linemen, you know if some of our front seven on defense start to go down, like you know. This thing starts to fall apart, and we have a schedule where it doesn't ease up. There isn't, there isn't the easy part of the schedule. This, we don't have the Bucks this year. We don't have the Jets this year. Um, the That's closest. good. That didn't work out for us. <laughs> Is that the, and was that the hard part or the easy part? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. Well, yeah. I think my to Mike's point though, I think the idea is: look, we are we are privileged to have something special. Assist. This is a, this is now another spe- special Steelers team. It's the 2008 defense in that era. All those teams, 2008, 9, 10. That those were the, you know, great defenses. Um, we had something special in the 90s with the with the Blitzburg and you know all those all those cower years and 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 we and we had something special with Jerome Bettis um, and and uh, of course in the in the you know the 70s. You know, we had those 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 offenses and defenses, and those were special. Those players were special, and 
those eras were special, and we're in one now. We we didn't know we were going to be in one. I don't think uh, maybe two years ago, but we're definitely in one now. Bell and 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 Brown, uh, you know, the Roethlisberger era has been a has been a um, an era of winning for the Steelers, uh, and coupled with those guys, um, it is definitely something special. And I think we're lucky that you know to be watching it and just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. That's the point. Enjoy it. Know that you're watching something special. Every time you turn on your TV and you watch the Steelers, you know those guys are something special, and they'll be talking about them. You'll be reminiscing about them years from now, like you do all these other, all those others that do I you, Do you remember? It's it's funny you say that because I, I now I think back now, like you know, to think about Ben Roethlisberger as being one of the best, you know, the best five quarterbacks in the league, and I think there's no doubt at this. Um, but I remember back to his, you know, his, the first five years of his career when. There was that stat that the media just loved to use about him, which was, you know, when, when he drops back more than 25 times, uh, they lose, right? You need to you need to limit Roethlisberger, limit Roethlisberger. No one's saying limit Roethlisberger now, right? This offense just goes, and, and he is uh, as big a part as anybody, maybe the biggest part. Well, to our credit, um, we never said that about him. Right. Um, and uh, hopefully that's why people listen to this podcast, because I, I think – I think we understand the Steelers better than the than the mass media sports, at least the national media. The national media, yeah, no, not the not the Pittsburgh guys necessarily, but the but certainly the certainly the guys that are reporting on the thirty two NFL teams. They take a superficial look. I think they rely on each other's work, um, you know, a lot. Um, right. Well, like you know, when we started the season, I remember looking at like the, I, I like to look at the power rankings or whatever and just see what you know because you always get a blurb about your team, right? What is the what is the national media talking about? And the blurb for in the in the the week one power rankings before a game has been played, um, ESPN power rankings said Steelers offense is going to be great, but their defense will let them down. They're going to need big performances by players like rookie then cornerback Senquez Golson. Right? This is before week one. This is right before week one. Senquez Golson never even played in training camp. He is, as soon as training camp started, he was out for the year with a shoulder injury. He never even played. Um, yeah, I mean, the national media, like you, like you said, Joe, they take a very cursory look at every team, and they get like a bird's-eye view, and then they read, you know, who do they draft, and what did they add, and what did they lose, and then they just write something. Um, you know, it's just not a very in-depth hey, look at these teams. I, I do want to credit Mike Golick, because there's a talk on, uh, you know, the Mike and Mike show about best wide receiver in the league, and Golick keeps saying, hands down, it's Antonio Brown. And I don't even know how you could argue He puts him up against Julio Jones and others. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, but Greeny's arguing Julio Jones just because he's bigger and looks better. But at least Golick is noticing. And, and, and a lot of people are noticing now. A lot of people say he's great. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And, he, and he gets overlooked. But I think only Golick has said that he's the best in the league. Yeah. Well, you know, like Joe, I think the three of us agree. Well, yeah. We said this to start the podcast. You know, Joe and I were, Joe and I were there at the game. We got to see the game live. Um, and the thing that jumps out when you're watching, you can see the whole play develop, um, is how often Ben throws the ball before Brian before Brown's open. Brown is not Brown is not open when he throws the ball, um, and he just finds space. And Ben knows where he's going to be, and Brown knows where he needs to go, um, and he just gets open. It's unbelievable to watch. It doesn't happen with Wheaton. It doesn't happen with with Hayward Bay. Like the pay, the past Hayward Bay when Hayward Bay was wide open. I mean, you could see that a mile away. Before Ben ever threw the ball, I could see Bay had already beat his guy by a yard, 
and it was over. But those passes down the sideline to Brown, um, you know, th- those were plays where Brown's not really open, or there's the third down play to Brown. Um, those plays, he wasn't really open. Uh, but Bell, he just puts the ball up there. Uh, Roethlisberger puts the ball up there, and then Brown goes and finds it and gets, you know, finds space. It's unbelievable to watch. Yeah, those two are definitely on a wavelength. They were doing it last year. We saw it in the Cleveland game in the opener last year, and, and you definitely could see it happen several times in this game, um, exactly like you're saying, Tony. It, and those two guys, it's, a, it's, a, it's an instinct, I guess, that they have for each other. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. Um, but it could cost defenses, and it's, it's a hell of a lot of fun for Steeler fans. Uh, to watch, um, but uh, I, I think Antonio Brown is rapidly reaching a point where he is becoming unstop, actually unstoppable. The way that him and Ben communicate out there, and they know where they need, where the ball is going to be, and where they need to go in that defense, it seems like it's just unstoppable. Because this is an offense without Bryant, without Bell. Everybody knows that the first option and the second option are both Antonio Brown, and then we're looking for someone else. And he has put up. As good a numbers as he's ever put up. I mean, nine catches, 195, and a touchdown against a defense that knew we were going to go to him that many times. Unbelievable. He he goes deep, sidelines, everything. But there was a play that uh, it basically bent through him the ball right at the line of scrimmage, and no one was on. T- no one was over him. And by the time anyone got close to him, he was like eight yards down the field. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. Hey, I want to um, touch on the power rankings here, and then I want to go to uh, you guys telling us about about the game. I mean, you guys had, uh, so let me get to that in a second. So power rankings, the Steelers are fourth. We're behind, uh, the, the Cardinals ESPN, yeah, at three ESPN. Packers to ESPN power rankings and, yeah. uh, and the Patriots at one. And we're a one and one team and we're ahead of like five or six, two and O teams. teams yep. So ESPN, so they're giving, giving us some rep, credit yeah. there. Yep. Who's, who's three we moved up from nine to four Arizona Cardinals. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, no, they're giving us. So love. you guys had, you guys had fifty yard fifty yard line seats, front row of your section. Yes. I mean, how was it, man? In the middle of Steeler Country, it's Steel Town. Must have been amazing. It it was uh it was amazing, yeah. I mean, right on the you know we were at the game last year too. And we had basically the same seats, just up about twenty rows higher. Yeah. Um. So these and that was good. Those are good seats. They're great seats. Uh, matter of fact, the view of the river and the and the you know that was beautiful, and it was more it was better you know from up higher. But as far and, as and well, they and they did all the construction this year, which made it a little worse. Yeah, that, yeah, they closed in that one end of the stadium, um, which is good for the Steelers. And they have they added three thousand seats over there. Um, it's kind of weird because they're club, they're club, they're classified as club seats, but they're in the end zone and they're so, on the ground. They are they are on the ground like you are. Yeah. Like, Literally on the like, field, basically. You know how basketball players like run into the those folding chairs. You know, basically that's what they've got. They've got ground level folding chairs. They're not folding chairs, but they look like folding chairs, and and they sit at ground level in the you know just beyond the end zone. Yeah, it's very it's very similar to like sitting. Behind those are club basket. seats. Those are club. Yeah, new it's and they're new classified section. club. Yeah. yeah, and and I don't get that. So it's bird's eye view. There's it's like the Steelers. Well, the cheap seats in every up. stadium are the zony seats, right? Um, yeah. But the Steelers, not in not in not in the Heinz Field. <laughs> you get zony seats at that end of the stadium, you're you're going to pay through the nose. Cause yeah, and I, I think it's because they're so close. I think that's what there's the selling point is that you are you are literally on the field. Yeah, I mean, a, a guy that overruns a receiver that overruns the end zone, 
could end up in people's laps. Yeah. I mean, because there's a, the, 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 you know, normally you do the Lambo leap, right? And, and, leap and you got, yeah. guys got to jump up the six foot wall, right? To get to where the fans are. Not, these guys are on ground level. There's like a two and a half foot wall um, at, at the back of the end zone. And, you know, if a player overruns that wall, they're going to be in the fans laps. You can, uh, you can, that, from the field, you can jump into the stands easily. But you don't even have to jump. You could fall in. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, there's no jumping. It's it's two feet. The thing, three, two and a half feet. Um, so, uh, oh, one yeah. of the one of the no, things um, one of the things that's really cool is um, they they offer, and I don't know how long they do this. I think they only do this like maybe to the first week of October. But they offer tours of Heinz Field. Um, I think it's like Mondays and Fridays. And if you haven't, if you've been to Pittsburgh and you haven't done the tour. I highly recommend you do the tour. They take you all over the stadium. They give you basically unlimited access to the place um, you go to. It's a tour. It's a guided tour, but they take you everywhere. They take you into the press box. They show you what it's like to sit in the lower deck seats. They show you what it's like to sit in the upper deck seats. They take you to one of the suites so you can see what a box seat looks like. Um, You go, and then the end of the tour, they, uh, they take you into the visiting locker room, and then you go into the Steelers locker room, and then you go uh, right down the tunnel where the Steelers where the where the Steelers go to get on the field. You go down the stairs. You see the Men of Steel football that you see in all the Steeler highlights when they're all slapping the football on their way out to the the field. Um, and then you walk out the tunnel and onto the. They don't let you go on the grass, but they let you walk onto the field. Basically, you can see the stadium from ground level on the field. Um, it is a, I mean, it is $8 or whatever it is to get in. It's far greater than the price. Uh, if, you, if you had to pay $80 to do it, you would say it was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, just stuff you'd never do. It was just impossible. Um, yeah, that was, that was, that was uh, definitely a highlight of the, of the trip. Um, but the, 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 the stadium was phenomenal. Uh, the fans were phenomenal. A um, little too many Niner fans there for my taste. Way too but, many, actually. But dude, the, when the, when every every third down, when, when uh, the the 49ers had the ball, the place was just nuts. You couldn't you couldn't hear. No. It was impossible. Yeah. Uh, and fourth downs, and uh, it was it was it was crazy. But the view of the plays, the view of the plays was just was just excellent. Um, you know, uh, you could you could the the Antonio Brown plays are the ones that stand out the most because they're so odd in the way that they develop because you can see him, you can see the ball in the air and then you, then you see the separation between him and the, and the defender. And, and it's just, it's so different. And of course that one play where everybody will know it as soon as I describe it, where Antonio catches the ball, reverses his field towards the middle of the field and then reverses his field back and starts heading for the end zone at, at the sideline. Um, and he gets knocked out at about the two yard line. That was just, it was just unbelievable to, yeah. to watch. Of course, the place erupts. The energy is just, it's indescribable. Um, but, yeah, so we sat in the upper deck, row A, right on the rail, and it was like, it was like, you know, it was just, it was like I was there by myself. Like, I'm okay, this is the seat I selected for, you know, for the best view for me to watch my Steelers play. And then, but then there were like 6,000 <laughs> other people there, and, and the place was just, just crazy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, seats were 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 phenomenal. 
Yeah, Chris, uh, my brother and I got a chance to go in January to the the Raven Steelers game, and we sat basically in these. We sat in row row D, which is four rows back. But the guys we were who were around us who go every year told us like these are the best seats in the house. You can't beat the view here. If you're going to come, you should get these tickets. Um, and man, were they right? I mean, the, you if you're going to go to a Steelers game, my my suggestion is you sit upper deck, but you sit between the forties um, and get you know get. I mean, you can sit really anywhere. We we've sitting up there. We now we've sat down. Uh, obviously, the closer the better, but those are the best seats. You see all the – the thing is, if you sit low at a football game, right, you have a hard time telling where the ball is on the field or seeing plays develop. But when you're sitting up there, when you're sitting up in the upper deck, and it's not a bad view. It's not like you have to make out numbers. You can't tell who's who. You can see everybody. You know who's who. Um, but you can also see the plays develop, and you can see guys get open, and you can you can see the routes being run. Um, it's uh, – it's, yeah, it's like, like just said, it's a spectacular view. Fantastic! It was an unbelievable trip. That was a good game for that. Yeah, forty-three points you got to see. Yeah. You know, it wasn't yeah. like it was like nine to three or no, anything. It, it was so a lot of plays developed. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it was yeah, I, a I, weird I, game to go to because it just seemed like it was a, too easy. It was an offensive fun fest, but because there were not there were no interceptions, no defensive points, no special teams screw ups, no, it wasn't really a a fun fest, fun fest. But it was an offensive fun fest. It was an offensive. I was just gonna say it's an offensive fun. And and the defense was yeah. And I didn't get it. The, the defense was surprisingly fun because they had a lot of sacks. They played way better than we expected them to. They were smothering at times, um, and so that was that was fun. They made a lot of good plays, and that was a lot of fun. So defensively, it was fun too. So a little appetizer of a fun fest. Hopefully, there's uh, some real ones to come. Oh, I'm 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 sure we're gonna get some season. at this point. The way that the way the defense is developing, I look. I don't think I don't think we're going to go down from here. If we go, it, you know, it, it maintains and it goes up from here. It wasn't a perfect defensive performance, right? But it's um, all right. Let's wrap. I think we're at it. We're a little over an hour and a half now, so let's, we should probably wrap this thing. That's going to do it for Steeler Country this week. Thank you all for listening. If you want to leave feedback, SteelerCountry at gmail.com is the email address. The website is SteelerCountry.net still, although we are going to get SteelerCountryPodcast.com up and running very very shortly. Uh, if you want to uh, like us on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash Country. Uh, we broadcast this live on YouTube uh, every Tuesday night, starting right around 8 o'clock. Maybe we're a little later than that. But if you follow us on uh, Twitter or like us on Facebook, we get you notified on there when the live stream starts. If you want to listen live, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, we will be back next week uh, on Tuesday night to review the Steelers at the Rams our week three matchup. We'll see you then.